So check this out. We are starting a brand new series today. I'm excited about it. First of all, I just want to give a shout out to our online audience. I kind of took a little sneak peek earlier, and I think we probably have more people right now online than we do in person. And so we just want to shout out to our, our uh, church family that's online. We love you guys. We know that many of you guys are still recovering, and um, so anyway, uh, we love you. But today we are going to begin a new series that I'm very excited about. I'm calling it Building Your Life on Values That Last. And over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about things like accepting responsibility, developing trust, showing respect, offering forgiveness, and developing self-control, just to name but a few. And I really do believe that this series has the potential to bring about a lot of growth in our faith. But before we do that, can we just stop for a minute? And um, I want to ask you to just to continue to pray for those who have experienced loss over the past couple weeks. And also just to continue to pray for those in our, our church that still haven't uh, fully recovered from COVID. Uh, there are many, uh, many who are watching online right now that they haven't uh, been able to come to church for weeks now. And there are many of you that are here that you are still battling the long-lasting effects of COVID, Right? I don't know about you guys, but I know that I have been battling some of those lasting effects. You guys heard of that thing they're calling brain fog, right? Anyone else experience that, by the way? Put your hand up so I know that they, look at that. I knew there would be quite a few of you. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and so that's a very real thing, first of all. And it really stinks whenever it hits you and you're up here in front of a, a group full of people. Um, and so if when I'm up here teaching um, and something hits me to where I'm like my deer in the headlight look, and I'm like, I'm sorry, guys, you know, COVID fog. That, I'm just going to claim that and just move on. Um, and it really, really stinks whenever you're ADD and you have brain fog, right? And so um, what was I talking about? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I shouldn't joke like that because I may need to pull out that card and be like, sorry, guys, let me get back to where I was at here. Um, but... There are others of you here that maybe you don't have the, whatever, the brain fog, but I know there are several of you that you still are dealing with the, the senses issue, right? Yeah, Cardi, you still dealing with that? I mean, um, I'm talking about, like, the smell and the taste. Like, I had it for a couple of weeks, but um, it eventually came back. But, man, I mean, try going, like, months without being able to smell food. I can't even imagine. And so I say all that to say, church, we need to continue to pray for one another. Amen? Matter of fact, I think we should do that right now. So would you join with me and let's just pray right now. Love you, Lord. God, I pray, Lord. Father, first for those who have lost loved ones, God, over the last couple weeks, God, we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would comfort them that you would surround them. Lord, we know that you are near to the brokenhearted. We know, God, that you are an ever-present 
help in the time of need. And so, God, I pray over them, Lord. I pray also, Lord, for those who are still sick, God. I pray, Lord God, that there would come restoration to their body. I pray those that still have just touches of the pneumonia in them, God, that it would clear up. I pray, Lord God, those that have been battling with their breathing, Father, I pray that that would begin to clear up. God, I also pray for those that are also, uh, some who are even here that are dealing with the after effects of COVID. Lord, I pray over my brother right here. Sorry, Eric, calling you out right here. I pray, God, put your hands on my brother. I pray in the name of Jesus, in accordance with your word. It says where any two come together, touch and agree, it'll be done. So God, we, I ask it right now for your glory, that you bring healing, that you bring complete healing. Restore his senses, Lord God. Restore his taste. Restore his smell. And we stand in agreement, Lord, as a saint of God, and we pray for it right now in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, and amen. Praise God. Now, how many of you know that there are some things in life that you can somewhat grasp the concept of, but you really don't understand it until you experience it? Hmm? What I'm going to talk to you about this morning uh, is one of those things. It's a very uh, common word in Christianity, but it's one that very few people have a comprehensive understanding of. And that word is grace. Come on, can we say grace? Now, if you've been in church for any length of time, you probably know the definition of the word grace, and you probably even know the word in Greek. But what I want you to see this morning is how that grace is needed in every single area of your life. But it is hard to rightly apply what we don't fully understand. Here's what I mean. You may benefit for a certain degree a partial understanding of something, but in order to experience the full benefit, you need to understand and to know all that is available and possible through that thing. I've shared this with you before. One of my pastors who used to travel all over the world, he tells the story of one time when he was preaching in Africa. And he was at this particular village where the pastor there had been given a car from a missionary in Europe. And this uh, village pastor had never had a car before. And so they were driving down the road one day, and I remember my pastor telling me that it was like 100 degrees, and they had the windows up. And this pastor, he had the, the blowers on, but not the air conditioning. He said, man, he was just like dripping with sweat, right? And he's driving down the road, and then all of a sudden he leans over to him and says, hey, he says, man, he goes, why don't you turn the air condition on, pastor? And he said, this pastor was just smiling. He goes, ah, brother Keith, it is on, right? 
He goes, no, man. He goes, the air conditioning isn't on. He goes, here. And he reaches over and he hits the AC button. And then all of a sudden, the, blow, the cold air starts blowing all out, right? He says that African pastor leaned out and went, hallelujah. <laughs> it's hard to benefit from what you don't know about. Are you hear me? And so today, I'm going to push that button for some of you, some of you who don't even know all that God's grace entails. And by the grace of God, I pray that he opens our eyes, that he opens our ears, and that he opens our hearts so that we would have a greater understanding of God's love towards us and that we would surrender to his grace by allowing the Holy Spirit to do his work in our lives. Amen? So let me just start by reading you Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 14. I like this one too. It says, for the grace of God has appeared. And aren't you so grateful that the grace of God has appeared? For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of the great God and Christ Jesus, for whom he gave us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify from himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Now, if you ever want a scripture that gives you a great understanding of the purpose of grace, I just read it to you. Because it reveals how that grace is involved in every single aspect of our life and for every season of our life. It's for the good times and for the bad. It's for the main mountaintop uh, experiences, but it's also for the valley, valleys. It's for when we are young, and it's for whenever we're old. You see, there's never a time in your life that you won't need the grace of God. Because grace encompasses our past, our present, and our future. Now, here's something else that you need to know about grace. You might want to write this down. Your worst days are never so bad that you are beyond the reach of God's grace. And your best days are never so good that you are beyond the need for God's grace. Yeah, I like that. Now, let me start with just a simple thought about grace. And I recognize that if you've been in church for quite some time, that this right here is something that you're, you've likely heard before. But I promise you that there's some that are here today that have never heard this. This is their first time. Not only that, but this is something that we all need to be reminded of. Matter of fact, I, I, this is the thing that I remind myself of when I wake up every morning. Promise. Like, I don't know if you guys have a little bit of a pattern in, in how you pray, but I have a pattern. And you know the very first thing that my feet do when I hit the ground? I say, God, thank you for my salvation. I do. I always do. Because I don't ever take for granted the fact that Jesus saved me, you know? 
So if you're taking notes, and I want you to, to take notes today, write this down. Grace covers. And when I say that it covers, it covers everything. But let me start with this one thing, this very important thing that it covers. Grace covers all our sin. That's a good place to say amen. I said grace covers all of our sin. Now here's why that's good news, just in case you don't know. It's because we all have sin. There's not a single person in this room, on this planet, or that has ever lived, with the exception of Jesus, that is sin. I mean, every one of us have sin. And the Bible clearly teaches us that in Romans 3.23, that all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. Now, just so that we're all on the same page, sin, that's any thought, any action that falls short of God's will. See, watch this. God is perfect, and anything that comes short of his perfection is sin. And because we have sin in our life, we have been separated from God. But God, out of his love for us, sent his son Jesus to live a life that you and I could never live, a, a perfect life, one that he offered up as a ransom payment by going to the cross. And this act of love, by Jesus uh, is something that, that we didn't earn. Matter of fact, we couldn't earn it. It's simply the free gift of God to those who put their faith, their hope, and their trust in the person of Jesus. You see, church, all of humanity will stand before God one day for the life that we lived. Now, that in and of itself is bad news, right? Because God's holy law says that if we break just one law, then we're going to be guilty of breaking, breaking it all. And the punishment for that offense is eternal separation from God in a place that the Bible describes as the lake of fire. And you can read about that on your own in Revelation chapter 20. But church, Jesus came to bring good news. And the good news is that he made atonement for our sins. That means he covered our sin. He paid the penalty that you and I should have paid. He covered our sin debt. And the word that we use to describe how this amazing thing could happen is called grace. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 says, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not the result of works, so that no one would boast. And the good news is that grace, it is ever-present. All that is necessary is for you to surrender to it. Grace covers. Church, it covers. It covers our deepest, darkest stain. And it does for ourselves what we could never do in and of ourselves. Now, I think this is where... I need to take a minute and maybe just talk to those that have been in church for a while. Because I think that oftentimes believers fall into this deception. And that where, you know, once God has forgiven us, that we think that, like, we can take care of it on our own from now on. Right? I actually heard someone say, if God will get me through this, I'll get myself through the next one. Yeah. 
Now, hopefully you would never say that, but many, many of us, I think we live that. Let me put it to you another way. We know that grace is God giving us what we don't deserve. That's grace, right? So at what point in our walk with God did we start believing that our good works would merit us anything that we need? Here's what I mean. Like people uh, will often say things like, well, well, why did God do this for me? I don't understand why he did it. I prayed, I asked God for this. I've been faithful to him. I've served him. I've done all the right things as if us doing some kind of good works all of a sudden should now, you know, ask, say that God has to give us something. Friends, the moment that we start expecting God to do things for us based on what we've done is the moment that we've walked away from grace. Galatians 5 through 4, or sorry, 5, 4, um, addresses this. It says, you who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated by Christ. In other words, what it's in there, when you start to do things on your own ability, You've stepped outside, and God's like, okay, you want me to pass the steering wheel to you? Go right ahead. Those of you who have been uh, trying to be uh, justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. Listen to this. It says, you have fallen away from grace. Did you catch that? This is serious, church. Like, this is something that we need to, like, talk about. See, when we try to get through our own efforts what we already have by grace, we put ourselves under the power of the law. Romans, Romans eleven six 6 says, uh, but if it is uh, by grace, it is no longer uh, based on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. You see, the only time that grace is no longer grace is when we start trying to do God's job. I love the picture and the perspective that the Apostle Paul gives us in 1 Corinthians 15, 6. I'm sorry, uh, 10. He said, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace towards me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but it was the grace of God that is with me. See, Paul, he doesn't say that there's never going to be a time where we're not going to have difficulties or hard work as a follower of Christ. But he puts it into proper perspective as to the source of that hard work, God's grace. Which brings me to my second point, which is grace empowers. Because grace is power, not just pardon. Now, church, I've been following Jesus for close to 28 years, and I'll share with you what I've found, is that whenever it comes to grace, people usually go wrong in one of two ways. They either think that they're too far gone and they dismiss it, or they take it for granted and they abuse it. And while both are on the opposite ends of the spectrum, they're actually just two different expressions of the same problem. They both view grace as weakness. The first group, they live as if grace is too weak to rescue them. And the second group lives as if grace is too weak to transform them. And both are wrong. Grace isn't weakness. Grace is power. It's the power to save. 
and the power to transform to cover you from all of your sins and to remove them from your life, but also to set you free from the power of sin, to be transformed. You see, grace is the voice that calls us to change and gives us the power to pull it off. Amen? Isn't that good? 2 Timothy 2, verse 1 says, You then, my child, be strengthened by the what? By the grace of that is in Christ Jesus. I think that we've believed that grace is just something that we need once we've uh, asked Jesus to forgive us of our, our sins. But friends, you've got to know that grace is so much more than that. Grace meets us where we are, but it doesn't leave us where it found us. Grace is the power that we live or that we need to live our life. You see, God doesn't just offer us forgiveness and say, okay, guys, uh, you all are on your own now. In 2 Peter 1.3, he says, his divine power has granted us everything that we need uh, for a godly life through our knowledge of him who's called us by his own glory and goodness. You see, whenever you understand the grace of God, then you know that it's something that we need each and every day of our lives. And church, please hear me on this. If there's one thing that I've learned in my 45 years, it's that life is hard. Come on, life has reminded us of that over the past month, has it not? But ever since Adam and Eve sinned and were banned from the garden, life has been hard. There are desert seasons, storms, giants, hurt and pain, loss and death, things that none of us are exempt from, nor is any other person who we've ever read about throughout history. Talking about things, church, like sorrow of heart, a child in rehab, being fired from a job, the red ink on the ledger, the struggle of an addiction, Tears in the middle of the night. Literally, I mean, like, the list is endless. But like Paul, who who mentions his own uh, thorn in the flesh, it seems that no matter how many times we pray, these things still exist. Amen? Come on, I know I'm speaking to someone this morning. This is where I wanted to remind you of what Paul says, uh, or God says to Paul, whenever he prayed that his situation would change, and it didn't. He said, my grace is sufficient for you. Do you hear that? I feel like I could probably stop and just talk about that for about five minutes. Grace is sufficient for you. Oh, I know that you prayed for this. Oh, I know this is what you believed for. Oh, I know these were the hopes and the dreams. Oh, I know that you had the blueprint for your life all laid out. Oh, I, I understand. I understand. I know you want me to remove that from your life. I, 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 I believe me. I un- believe me. I understand. I'm done. I believe me. I understand. But you need to know, my grace is sufficient. It will give you everything that you need. Now, I need you to hear this about grace. Grace doesn't promise the absence of a struggle, but the presence of God. Listen, if God permits the challenge, 
He will provide the grace to meet it. No opposition is so great that God's grace can't meet it head on and come out victorious every single time. And you know what? I feel like there's just someone that's here this morning who you have been consumed with fear. And it's time to allow grace to dethrone that fear. God said that my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And if you're here this morning and you feel weak, guess what? I've got good news for you. You're a perfect recipient for God's grace. Let God's grace fill you. Let his grace strengthen you. Let his grace restore you. To, uh, restore you. Just surrender to his grace. And the simplest definition of grace, unmerited favor. I want to encourage you to let go of your attempts to overcome what's coming against you and step into the unmerited favor of God. Remember that grace is not because of the good works that we've done, watch this, but in order that we may be able to do them. There's nothing that you will ever need that God's grace doesn't provide. Grace covers, grace empowers, and grace, watch this, reciprocates. And I think that it's important that we recognize that grace is a gift. And it carries with it a responsibility. Because to accept grace is to accept the vow to give it. Colossians 3.13 says, bear one another with one another and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Now, friends, I got to tell you that what Paul's talking about right here, this isn't a suggestion. This right here, th this is a stewardship issue th that comes with the grace of God. As a matter of fact, in 1 Peter uh, 4.10, he uses that exact terminology. He says, each of you should use whatever gift that you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. But now, that's what Paul says. Listen to what Jesus has to say whenever uh, talking about the issue of not offering grace to others. He uses a little bit stronger words. Jesus says in Matthew uh, 6, 15, but if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Man, that is written in your Bible. I ain't got a special translation. But here's the thing about God's grace. It's about you, but it's not just about you. Are, are, are you following me? God gives us grace that we benefit from, but he also expects us to give it to others. And watch this. We can give that in tons of different ways. I mean, it can come in a form of forgiveness like we just mentioned, but literally there are thousands of different ways that we can extend and show uh, grace to others. For example, it could be something as simple as waiting in the carpool pickup line for your kids and, you know, you could cruise right in there and, you know, but you let someone go in front of you, right? Any parents, right? Are you convicted? All right. <laughs> Or it could be something like giving something to someone uh, who didn't deserve it. Or here's another way that you can just extend grace. Just sending a text message to someone 
just out of the blue, to, to, to encourage them. It could be blessing someone financially who you know needs it, even though they may not deserve it. But when someone has seen the true beauty of grace that, that God gives, they can't help but to want to give back. Because when grace happens, generosity happens. I want you to consider just for a moment uh, Zacchaeus. You know Zacchaeus from the Bible? We little man, was he? Yeah, that's him. All right. <laughs> and he's mentioned in, in Luke chapter 19. And now if the New Testament ever had a con artist, this guy right here would be the man. Like Zacchaeus, he was the chief tax collector. And first century tax collectors would fleece anything that would walk. And the Roman government would uh, allow them to, to keep all that they could swindle. And Zacchaeus took a lot. The Bible says that he was rich, like sporting a, a Bentley and alligator shoes, rich. But watch what happens to his heart whenever he meets Jesus. When Jesus sees Zacchaeus, he calls out to him, and he says, I'm staying at your house today. Man, that right there tells us so much about Jesus. Think about this. Out of all of the homes that he could have stayed at, he chose Zacchaeus, a house that was full of possessions that were financed with illegal money. Avoided by his neighbors, yet on this day, was the, he was graced by the presence of Jesus. And as a result of the grace of God, in Luke chapter 19 and verse 8, it says that Zacchaeus had a change of heart. Zacchaeus stood up and he said, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. You see, grace came in the front door and selfishness went out the back. And so I just want to ask you, are you allowing the grace of God to change your heart? See, some people, they, they resist that change. Right? The ungrateful servant did. Remember that? In that story there, uh, the, this servant, he owed more money to the king than he could ever repay and was faced being sold along with his wife and his children to repay the debt. But he begged the king for, for more time to, to pay it back and the king's heart felt pity for the man and he released him and he forgave his, forgave his debt. But then what happened next? The servant then went straight for a person who owed him a small amount and he demanded that he pay it. And when the man couldn't pay it, he has him arrested. And of course, the king hears about it because if you're, you know, king's going to hear about everything. And in his anger, he goes and then finds that servant. And he has him turned over to the jailers to be tortured until he paid back everything that he owed. And after telling this story, Jesus says this, and watch this. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or your sister from your heart. Church, if there's one thing that Jesus made crystal clear, it's that how we treat others matter. 
I said, it matters, especially in light of the goodness in which you've shown us. You know, as within any message I ever uh, preach, I I hope to encourage you and inspire you, but uh, also a purpose to challenge you. Because if I don't challenge you to love the least of these and to forgive those who bring an offense to your front door and to choose humility, then I am going to be leaving out a major central part of the gospel. I would certainly be overlooking a major part of how Christ lived his life. Now, having said that, let me just say this. You are a walking billboard of God's mercy to those around you. But my question is, what message do people receive whenever they observe how you live your life? Or even better yet, let me ask this, what needs to be adjusted in your life so that God's grace becomes the central message that your life communicates? Church, this is the side of grace that most believers don't want to talk about because they want to receive from God, but they don't want to give. But grace that has found maturity in the life of a believer reciprocates what it has received. Amen? Don't everyone say amen all at once. Church, I'm talking about us moving beyond what Dietrich Bonhoeffer uh, likes to call uh, cheap grace, right? Which really is just a grace that only considers self and not others. But the grace that God freely gives us, he expects us to give back in return. By the way, how many of you know that grace has never been free? Did you know that? It's free to us, but it's only free because the giver himself bore the cost. So grace covers. Grace empowers. Grace reciprocates. And lastly, grace protects. I feel like I need to make a disclaimer here because I know that I'm only giving you four points. And when it comes to talking about grace, we could be talking about hundreds of points here. These are just a few that God put on my heart. But I want to just kind of introduce this last point by telling you about something that happened to me in college. I I think I've told this story, but it has been many, many years ago. And it's because what happened was so impactful on me. But uh, one particular day, I went to go pick up a friend of mine who um, I had just led to Christ, actually. And um, his brother needed a ride somewhere along with his brother's friend. And so I gave him a ride. So there's four of us. We're driving down the highway, and it is coming a downpour, like one of those kind of downpours where you can only see like maybe 20 feet in front of you. And so I'm driving down the highway and I may be doing like maybe 50 miles an hour. I mean, it wasn't that bad, just normal. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, right in front of me is a car. And I'm telling you, like the front of my car couldn't have been but a matter of feet in front of the side of their car. I mean, I'm right at T-bone angle. Right, And so we see it. There's not time to embrace for impact. There's just time to barely scream. 
And I remember as we're going, all, all four of these, those grown guys, grown men, we went, ah! we're holding, just bracing for impact, only there was never an impact. Yeah, thank God. Kind of reminded me, I don't know if you all remember this episode. I think it was an, a Seinfeld episode where they're all in a car and they avoided a colli- collision and they're all, ah, and then finally everyone stops and Kramer just keeps, ah, and realizes everyone stops and they're like, oh, we're good, right? So we kind of felt like that, right? We're all, ah, we stop and we look and we felt like this, this holy hush moment. You know what I'm talking about when God does something? It happens often here in worship, but it also happens in, in different times and different places where you're just like, holy hush, and you don't need to say anything, but just sit there and be like, wow. So we had that happen, and we're looking around. That car that was in front of us, and we all saw it. I, I don't know what happened. I know God happened. That's all I know. I mean, when, when you've got a car that's in front of you by a measure of maybe five feet at doing 50 miles an hour, that's not enough time to move. And I couldn't swerve because I didn't know. If I'm over here, who knows what I would have hit. We just braced for for, for impact. And and as we stopped screaming, we're we're both sitting there and looking around. And probably five full seconds went by when we didn't know what to say. And I looked over at the guys and I said, boys, I remember exactly what I said. I said, boys, I said, God just saved us. And you know what? Every single one of them, including the two non-believers in the back seat, said, there's no way in this world that we just avoided that wreck. That was the grace of God. I said, yes, it was. We got where we were going. And still, there's just that holy hush aftermath of all that's going on. And my buddy, I don't even remember where he was going, but I'm still sitting in my car like, wow. And my Bible was there. So I flipped open my Bible. And I don't, I'm not one of those believers that every single time you flip open your Bible that it has to go directly to what God's saying. Because if you think that way, I might be careful as to what you might flip to, right? And, um, but it was one of those moments that it flipped right open, and I looked right down. And out of all of the places that it could have flipped to, it flipped to Psalm 37, verse 28. And listen to what it says. Thank you, Lord. For the, lo- for the Lord loves his faithful and just ones. I'm sorry, I have to quote it in King James because I memorized it in King James. For the, lo- the Lord loves his faithful and just ones. They will be protected forever. I forgot what translation I got for you there. But for the Lord loves what is right and does not abandon his faithful people. He protects them forever. See, church, the same grace that saved us and that empowers us also protects us. John Newton, when he penned the famous words to Amazing Grace, wrote this. Through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. Tis grace that's brought me safe thus far, and grace Church, the grace that got you started is the grace that will carry you through. Let me say it this way. The same grace that saved you is the same grace that will keep you going. Amen. Come on, can you stand to your feet with me?
And I want to begin just wrapping up today's message with this thought that's found in Romans 8, verse 34. It says, Jesus is at the right hand of God, making intercession for us. Now, I want you to try and just wrap your mind around this truth if you can. That the Son of God, who is seated at the right hand of God, is praying for you and me. I mean, come on, if that right there doesn't cause you to feel secure, then I don't know what does. Hebrews 7, 25 says, Therefore, he is able to save completely mm, those who come to him through him because he always lives to intercede for them. I don't know how many of you know this about me, but I love the water. I do. That's my sanctuary. And, and it's not just because uh, I like to go out and fish. I do like to fish. Uh, but I'll tell you what, I can just go and drag out a, a chair and set that thing out on the side of the beach and just sit there and quickly get caught up in God's majesty. And there's a thought that Almost every time that I go out on the beach, I have the same thought that crosses my mind. And that's this, is that those waves, they never stop. I mean, some of those waves are bigger uh, than others, but they're constantly crashing against the shore. The psalmist said this in Psalm 42, verse 7. Deep calls to deep, and the roar of your water holds. All your waves... And breakers have swept over me. Church, God's grace is like the waves of the ocean. It never stops. When you're sleeping, it's there. When you're on your way to work, it's there. And thank God it's there then, right? <laughs> but it's there when you're weak. It's there whenever you're tired. It's there whenever you feel like giving up. It's there whenever you feel like giving in. His grace abounds at every turn. And I just feel like the appropriate way to close out today's message is to ask a question which carries with it an invitation. In what areas of your life do you need God's grace today? Maybe you need God's grace in your job. Maybe you need God's grace over your marriage. Maybe you need God's grace over your finances. Or maybe over overcoming an addiction. Or maybe you just need his grace to cover your sin. Well, I can promise you that we all need that grace. Amen. But whatever you have need of this morning... God has an abundant supply. And no matter how bad you think your condition is, I promise you that his grace is sufficient. 1 Peter 5.10 says, The God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. You see, the fruit of grace is that we are saved by God, raised by God, watch this, and seated with God. 
And God does all this for one simple reason. Because he's good. I said he's good. And God is extending his goodness to you this morning. His invitation to step into his grace is offered. You see, faith's only function is to receive what grace offers. And so will you this morning, will you receive by faith what only God's grace can offer? That's you. I just want to invite you to just join me in the prayer right now if you would. Heavenly Father, we thank you that your grace is extended towards us, that your goodness is extended towards us. And we thank you that your grace saves us, that it raises us, and that it seats us in heavenly places. May we never think that your grace isn't enough. And may we never take for granted what your grace has given us. I ask you this morning, oh God, that you would pour out your grace in this place. May every person here know how deeply you love them and how great your purpose is for their life. So as you, your grace is poured out, Lord God, let, let hope arise. Let faith arise, we pray.